You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. Cybersecurity doesn't just happen in one month. <laughs> Shouldn't dictate that this is the time and the only time that we address cybersecurity awareness. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the CyberWire's Hacking Humans podcast, where each week we look behind the social engineering scams, the phishing schemes, and the criminal exploits that are making headlines and taking a heavy toll on organizations around the world. I'm Dave Bittner from the CyberWire, and joining me is Joe Kerrigan from the Johns Hopkins University Information Security Institute. Hello, Joe. Hi, Dave. Got some good stories to share this week, and later in the show, Carol Terrio returns with an interview with Dr. Jessica Barker from Sygenta about how every month should be Cyber Awareness Month. All right, Joe, let's uh, jump into some stories this week. Why don't you start things off for us? Dave, I, uh, I know this is not a technical podcast, but I do want to talk about something technical today. All right. Uh, it's not really too terribly technical, so don't, don't, don't turn it off yet, <laughs> listeners. <laughs> okay. So I want to talk about something called password spraying. Yeah. All right. Uh, what is password spraying? Well, it's very similar to a credential stuffing attack. In fact, it's almost the exact same thing. And according to the one Stack Exchange post I read about this, <laughs> the difference is... That <laughs> which makes you an expert? Right, which makes me an expert. <laughs> okay. The, uh, the difference is a pedantic one. The credential stuffing uses known username and password combinations, and password spraying is more of a brute force guessing attack. Okay. But they're both the same thing. They're trying credentials on systems to see if you can get in. Okay. Right? Here's why it works and why it's easy for an attacker to do it. It's important to understand that uh, a lot of these systems, particularly web-based systems, are what we call stateless. Hmm. And what that means is each time you click on a web page or or click on a link or load a web page, that is a new connection to the web server. Mm -hmm. And the web server has to verify your identity by some previously provided information. Uh, Typically, it's stored in a cookie. This is why we actually have cookies. Okay. So that you can maintain state across multiple connections. Okay. And if you think about the the workflow for logging in to a uh, to to a web application, right? Like let's say even something as simple as Gmail. Okay. Right. You are presented with a form that usually asks you for your username and password. Right. And you fill those in, and then you click a button that says log in, and that actually causes your browser to take that data and send it to the server in a new connection. Okay. Right. That's the workflow. Right. Because that happens exactly as I just explained, I I don't even need to load the first page if I'm a malicious actor. I just need to submit the data to the form of the form to the response page, to the action page of that form, Hmm. right? Those Mm -hmm. are actually two separate pages, and it happens over two separate connections. Mm. That makes it for an attacker really easy to script these kind of attacks Mm -hmm. and find uh, valid logins based on the response from the server. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't tend to think of these kind of attacks as social engineering attacks, but I do hmm. uh, because it relies on the bad behaviors of humans. Uh, it may be more aptly described as a security awareness problem, but again, I think the difference is like the difference between credential stuffing and password spraying. Yeah, right? and far be it for, from you, Joe, to be pedantic about something. Yes, sometimes I am pedantic <laughs> about things, um, but uh, you know, sometimes I'm also frustrated with with the uh, right. the different terms we have in this right. field. Right, it's, it's bad when other people do it. Right, right. Yeah. exactly. That's that's the way I feel about it, Dave. Sure, I understand. <laughs> yeah. So there's an interesting article over on ZDNet written by Liam Tung. 
and it talks about uh, some some information out of Microsoft Dart. That's their detection and response team. Hmm. Uh, that's why it's Dart, but it's probably just easier to say Dart. <laughs> and it's cool because it's an acronym. They're warning of an uptick in password spraying attacks, and they have observed an emerging Iranian hacking group or malicious actor, some state-sponsored actor out of out of Iran that is using spraying password spraying attacks against Israeli and U.S. critical infrastructure in the Persian Gulf. Hmm. Now, there's some other interesting things in this article. Microsoft estimates that more than one-third of account compromises come from password spraying attacks, hmm. which is remarkable to me that one-third of these attacks, and I don't know if this is a combination of password spraying credential stuffing. I would imagine that it is. Yeah. Uh, but one-third of, of these compromises are from just guessing weak passwords or from finding reused passwords. Right, and we hear about... Uh them using a dictionary attacks where they're just throwing, you know, every word in the dictionary at a, at right. a as an attempt to log in because people use weak passwords. Absolutely. Yeah. Humans are not very good at generating passwords that are, are actually hard to guess. Right. They're easy to remember. That means they're easy to guess. Right. Microsoft estimates that these attacks have about a 1% success rate. Which sounds low, but... But it is not low. Volume, volume, volume. <laughs> <Right>. It is <laughs> remarkably high. Right. 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 It's like if you're making a penny on every dollar that goes to the bank, you're making a lot of money, <laughs> right, right? Right. These kind of attacks are out there, and Microsoft is recommending, of course, their their password protection service to avoid bad passwords, which is a great recommendation. But there are other solutions as well. Mm -hmm. um, any password manager will have uh, password monitoring services that will say, "Hey, this password's been in a breach. Let's change it." Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it'll say, "Hey, we notice you're reusing this password all over the place. Stop it, knucklehead!" Right. Yeah. <laughs> now, earlier I was talking about submitting the forms, right? And these, it, it seems like these these uh, malicious actors could do this all day. But there's a very old solution to protect accounts uh, against this on the development side of the house, and yeah. that's if I see somebody, we've all experienced this, right? If I yeah. see somebody try to log in five times in a row and they don't get it right, I'm going to assume this is some kind of brute force hack, and I'm going to lock their account. Yes, and I'll say for everyone who has ever not been sure what the password was for an account, and it says you have three more tries, it is a, a source of anxiety and stress. Yes. <laughs> By the way, a source of anxiety and stress that is immediately eliminated upon your implementation of a password manager. <laughs> okay, right. <laughs> so do that. Yeah. Uh, but these guys are being a little more, a little smart about this, hmm. right? They're not trying one username with a bunch of different passwords, they're picking one password and trying a bunch of different usernames to get around this account lockout feature, oh. which I think is pretty clever. Turn the thing around. That's Turn right. it on its head. That's right. Oh. Huh. That is clever. So th this story is in on ZDNet is about a state-sponsored group, but these actors are out there everywhere doing this kind of stuff. This is a typical tactic that, that uh, malicious actors use, along with phishing and credential, uh, credential harvesting. You know, these phishing, these credential stuffing attacks and these password spraying attacks, everybody's susceptible to these things. Mm -hmm. it, they can be done to anybody. They don't even have to know who you are, right? Uh, they could just guess at your username and maybe they'll get it right. So if you have an OG username, this is going to be one of the best attacks they're going to use against you. Mm -hmm. uh, two things you can do to protect yourself, and I say this a lot, multi-factor authentication, number right. one. Yeah. This multi-factor authentication essentially nullifies a password spraying attack. Right. It, it can't be automated, and uh, or it's very difficult to automate it, but it takes more time. 
and if it's with a with a hardware key, it's almost impossible to to get around that. Yeah, and if nothing else, they're going to move on to the lower hanging fruit than you. Right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing, I've already said this: use a password manager and use the features. Yeah, those are your best bets. Multi-factor yeah. authentication and a password manager will mitigate ninety nine point nine 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 percent of this threat. Yeah, absolutely. All right, interesting stuff. That that's some uh, cool stuff in that story. Again, we'll have a link to that in the show notes. Uh, my story this week comes from CyberScoop. Uh, this is a story uh, by A.J. Vicens, uh, and it's titled, Scammers are emailing waves of unsolicited QR codes aiming to steal Microsoft users' passwords. <laughs> now, Joe, do you, ever, do you ever make use of QR codes? Uh, you know, it, I, I giggled because just the other night, I was uh, my son and I were in the car, and there's a, over here by Howard Community College, there is a sign in the ground that just has a QR code on it. That's it? That's it. Just a QR code. <laughs> you feeling lucky? Right. <laughs> and my son looks at that and goes, should I scan it? You know, because he knows he's doing it. And I say, well, if you have the Trend Micro QR code verifier, which is the, an app I have on my phone, and there, there might be other ones out there, but Trend Micro makes this available for free. Right. You can scan it and see if it's malicious or not. Right. Detonated in a sandbox. Right. Yeah. Okay. But I didn't because I was driving, and I yeah. didn't want to whip out my phone and and do it. But I I I don't I I I always verify them with my uh, with my app. Yeah, well, that's smart. That's <laughs> smart for sure. Yep. And I you know I think we've seen uh, as this article points out, there's been an increase in the adoption of QR codes, largely due to the pandemic. Um, like I I was at a restaurant recently, and they had the QR codes for the menu. They had uh, laser etched into the table. Okay, so that's was, that's good. Yeah, it was burned into the table, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? <laughs> so there you go. Um, and, and you see them all. Like I see them at gas stations all the time. Right. You know, scan here to download our uh, our app. Still to, use still use your QR code verifier for that because it's very easy just to stick a malicious sticker over top of that. Right. And right. Absolutely. So uh, this CyberScoop story talks about a campaign that was uh, uncovered by the email security company Abnormal, mm-hmm. good name for a company. Um, and what uh, this group is trying to do, they're using QR codes. And, and of course, there has to be a, a clever name for this. So uh, they either call it Q-rishing or quishing. <laughs> I know, right? No. Okay. <laughs> I mean, we love our security and awareness companies. We love our security awareness companies. We Knock do. it off. We do. <laughs> so what happens is uh, you will get an email with a QR code in it. Right. And it, below the QR code, uh, it instructs the victim to scan the QR code in order to listen to an encrypted voicemail. Mm. So that's the lure. That's the, that's a good hook. Yeah. So then that leads you— Or good you, lure, rather. I'm yeah, sorry. That, that leads you to a fake Microsoft landing page right? where they prompt you to enter your email and password in order to play the encrypted voicemail. Right. So right? this is a credential harvesting attack then. Yes. But it could be used for just about anything else. Could be. Could be. Yeah. Uh, and, but what's, what's interesting about this is, uh, at the folks at Abnormal point out, this campaign is a little clunky. Um, so let's walk through this. I mean, you get an email, presumably on your desktop machine. Right. Then you're supposed to use the f- camera on your phone to scan the QR code. Right. 
which then takes you to the micro, the fake Microsoft page to to log in with your credentials. Like, it, there's a lot of moving parts here. I, I I wonder what their success rate is. I mean, obviously they're, you know, they're they're doing it, so right. it must be working to a a certain degree. But it doesn't seem to be the well. This the is the first time, operators. First time we've heard about this, right? Yes. Yes. So. Maybe it is a new attack. Maybe it will be short-lived. I don't know. I kind of think this will work. Yeah. You know, because I, I want you you want to listen to a voicemail? You normally do that on your phone. Right. So maybe it does work. I don't know. It, it, I would imagine like the Nigerian print scam, this will catch a, a small percentage of the people, but that's the goal. That's mm-hmm. always the goal. Just like I said with my phishing or uh, uh, credential spraying, password spraying attacks, a 1% success rate is a remarkably high success rate and a good one. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you're right. I mean, this does uh, that that lure of an encrypted voicemail that could be compelling. Right. What does it say? Mm-hmm. Who is it? You know, why? Why is someone sending me an encrypted voicemail? There's something something is just different enough. Right. That it can disarm your defenses. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that, again, is from the folks over at uh, CyberScoop, and we will have a link to that in the show notes. Uh, as Joe rightfully points out, if you're interested in a QR code, Get an app that can read it in, in a safe way off of your device and see what it is. And, but but even so, I mean, if it asks you, if the QR code triggers some sort of login, right? that's another red flag. Yes, it is. It should not trigger you to log into Microsoft or Google or any of your accounts. Yeah, anything that looks like a, uh, a harvesting page uh, or uh, a login page, rather. Right. Rather. Anytime that happens, anytime you, you receive an email and you click on a link or, or you or would you... We always say don't do that, but sometimes that's going to happen. Or you follow a QR code. As soon as you're asked to log in, that should be like red flags. Yep. Like, mm, yeah, absolutely. There is an opportunity here to take my credentials from me. Yep, yep. All right, well, we will have a link to that story in the show notes, of course. Joe, it is time to move on to our catch of the day. Dave, our catch of the day comes from Wyatt who writes, hello, Dave and Joe. You always get top billing, Dave. Well, what are you going to do? Well, you are podcast royalty. <laughs> I will agree with that. So what am I going to do? Nothing. I'm not going to do that. In fact, I'm going to say, you know what? You probably deserve top billing in this show. Uh, <laughs> I'm a big fan of the show. I recently came across this one in my inbox, and I couldn't help but share it with you. Enjoy. Uh, this. <laughs> the title of this email is donation from Mr. Warren E. Buffett, billionaire investor. And it has a very big red bar across the top of it. Yeah. It says from, this is from Gmail. It says, this message seems dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> you think? Yeah. So why don't you read this message? All right, here? it goes like this. Dear email owner, my name is Warren E. Buffett, an American business magnate, investor, and philanthropist. Am the most successful investor in the world. I believe strongly in giving while living. I had one idea that never changed in my mind, that you should use your wealth to help people. And I have decided to give $1,500,000 United Dollars to randomly selected individuals worldwide. On receipt of this email, you should count yourself as the lucky individual. Your email address was chosen online while searching at random. Kindly get back to me at your earliest convenience before I travel to Japan for my treatment. What? (laughs) What? (laughs) I have no idea what that means. Okay. So I know your email address is valid. Email me here. Thank you for accepting our offer. We are indeed grateful. You can Google my name for more information. Warren Buffett. 
Or you can visit my website, wikipedia.org slash wiki slash Warren Buffett. God bless you. Best regard, Mr. Warren E. Buffett, billionaire investor. I am Warren E. Buffett, billionaire. I own a mansion <laughs> and a yacht. I wonder if it says that on his on his business card. <laughs> right. It just says Warren Buffett, billionaire investor. <laughs> right. You know, if I ever reach that point, Joe, I'm going to have right. business cards made that say just that. <laughs> <laughs> Dave Bittner. Billionaire. Billionaire. <laughs> right. I, you obviously don't know who I am. Right. Permit me to give this to you. <laughs> right. Exactly. All right. This, this is fantastic. So many question marks in here and like where they don't belong. United Dollars. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously not Warren Buffett. Um, <laughs> Warren Buffett doesn't give money away to individuals. He gives charitably and generously, I should add, to yeah, uh, yeah. organizations <laughs> like the Gates Foundation. Right. Um, right. Isn't he one of the billionaires who's on board with that plan to try to give away most of his money before yeah. he dies? Yeah, he's one of those. Yeah, uh, yeah. One of those guys. I don't know what that means, what that entails, I, yeah. or how much I trust it. But <laughs> well, at least he's doing something. Right. He's not lighting cigars with hundred dollar bills. All no. Day. <laughs> no. He's 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 definitely on board, with, and he's given away a lot of money. So yeah. But so this yeah. this is why it makes sense because Warren Buffett has given away billions of dollars. Right. Right. Uh, all right. Well, uh, another good one. And uh, our thanks to our listener, Wyatt, for sending that in. We would love to hear from you. If you have a catch of the day for us, you can send it to us. Send it to hackinghumans at thecyberwire.com. Joe, it is always a treat when Carol Terrio joins us, and uh, this week that treat is extra sweet because Carol is joined by Jessica Barker, who I have had the pleasure of interviewing over on the CyberWire before. Uh, So here are Carol Terrio and Dr. Jessica Barker. So I'm here with Jessica Barker. She is co-founder of Cygenta, a company based in the UK. She is author of Confident Cybersecurity, a book about how to get a career in the industry. And she's co-founder of Cybersecurity ABCs. Welcome, Jessica. Hi, it's great to be here. Thank you for coming here and talking to me about October being National Cybersecurity Awareness Month. My pleasure. So as a profesh in the industry. Uh, Do you think that the Cyber Awareness Month is a good idea, like to have a dedicated month to cybersecurity? That is such a good question. And I was actually talking to a client about that um, yesterday because they had planned a few activities for Cybersecurity Awareness Month and due to circumstances outside of their control. They couldn't go ahead with them or not in the way that they intended. And I said to them, you know, it is great to have a month dedicated to cybersecurity awareness. And I love seeing how organizations do more and more around it every year. It's a great theme to galvanize people. But at the same time, cybersecurity doesn't just happen in one month. (laughs) You know, it's a constant thing. And if talking about cybersecurity for whatever reason in October doesn't work for a particular organization, then you've got to do what's right for you. Mm. It shouldn't dictate that this is the time and the only time that we address cybersecurity awareness. If you could choose any month of the year, do you think October is a good month? Or if they had asked you, they said, Jessica, choose whatever month you want or 
any one of them could be Cybersecurity Month. Would you have chosen October or would you have gone somewhere else? I might have actually gone just a little bit further and gone for November because it's it's such a big issue in terms of online shopping, in terms of the lead up for many people to the festive period and Christmas. So actually for a lot of the organizations mm-hmm. we work with, that's when we really focus on cybersecurity in the personal life because people may be buying gifts. Um, they may be, you know, getting things like gadgets and video game consoles and all sorts of things, things for the home now that are connected. So actually we find around that festive period can be a bit of a, um, a tricky time for people. So actually that can be a great time to talk about cybersecurity. Yeah, totally agree because everyone's going out and trying to, kids want gadgets, parents are buying them, grandparents are buying them and not necessarily thinking about security at all. Yeah. I saw a stat recently that said 90% of Americans are concerned about cyber attacks, such as ransomware, ID theft, the whole lot. Does that surprise you, 9 out of 10 people? That sounds about right. I And I would be interested to know what the stat was or would have been even just five years ago, because I think people mm. are a lot more concerned about it now. My concern of that is, are people concerned in like a healthy way in that they're taking more interest, they're doing more, they're being a bit more proactive about security behaviors online, or are people concerned in like a worried way? Because I never want people to be worried about cybersecurity. I never want people to be scared about cybersecurity. Are people healthy, worry, concerned, checking that, that they're being as secure as they can be? Or are people feeling actually a little bit afraid and then that can lead to a whole yeah. host of more negative behaviours? Yeah, and you can see how it would happen, right? Because a journalist needs eyeballs in order to say, great, I'm doing a good job. So often the titles and the first paragraphs will be quite explosive. Not all these articles have advice for people on what to do. Yep. And sometimes it can be, you know, using a lot of technical jargon or, Mm. as you say, kind of scaremongering a little bit. And it's classic social engineering, right? We see the cyber criminals doing it too. Okay. So now we're here we are, October National Cybersecurity Month. People are worried and they are getting this onslaught of tech terms and things that they need to worry about. And I am convinced that the average computer user understands 20% of that stuff. And same as, you know, medical terms. I don't understand all the medical terms. I understand probably 20%. I don't know why our industry tends to try and use all these new terms, coin new terms all the time. What are the ones that people can, should really be focused on right now to try and, you know, do a bit better job of looking after their data? So my number one rule when I talk to people, um, and I'm doing a lot of awareness raising this month, the main thing that I'm talking about is social engineering, particularly phishing. So when we are manipulated into giving over information or clicking links or downloading attachments. And so the number one thing I say to people is if you receive a communication, it can be an email, a text, social media, WhatsApp, whatever it is, if it's unexpected, if it makes you feel something, and if it asks you to do something, that's a big red flag that it may be social engineering. So that's when you need to slow down and, you know, read it out loud to someone else, take a pause, check it through, maybe check with the supposed sender. Did they really send it? Because that combination of factors can be a sign that it is, say, phishing. 
Not all phishing will use emotion, but the phishing messages that do, we are more susceptible to clicking on that link or downloading that attachment. So look for that combination of unexpected, emotive, and asking you to do something. That's really good advice. Okay, what else? So I then have three top categories that I ask people to really consider. Number one, protect your accounts. By that, I mean, look at your passwords, how you manage your passwords. For example, I use a password manager, generate secure passwords for me. I don't have to think about it. I know they're all unique and strong and multi-factor authentication. So your accounts are not just relying on passwords. So number Mm -hmm. one, protect your accounts. Number two, protect your devices. Make sure you lock your screens and you do your updates. And number three, protect your information. Be wary on social media of what you're clicking on and the information you're sharing and doing that plus being wary of social engineering, that will take care of like 95% of the threats out there. What are your views on using your face print or your thumbprint to get into your devices? Are you cool with that or do you think it should be a passcode for the average user? So I think it can be it can be really helpful for a lot of people. And I think it can be better than some of the other, you know, when we see people using like one, two, three, four or not having a pin set up. I think it's much, much better. Um, It can also be really good for when we are traveling, moving around more. Someone can be shoulder surfing, see what pin you put in and swipe your phone. A lot harder for them to do if you're using biometrics. Mm -hmm. So they certainly have their place and we shouldn't overlook the convenience. And if we can make security a bit easier for people, then more power to it. So in other words, better to use your face print or thumbprint than nothing. Definitely. Exactly. Absolutely. I hope you guys listen to Jessica Barker. She's a very, very smart lady, a co-founder of Cygenta and author of Confident Cybersecurity and co-author of Cybersecurity ABCs. Thank you for joining us, Jessica. Such a pleasure. Thank you. All right, Joe, what do you think? We are recording this in October. Yeah. Uh, and that is Cybersecurity Awareness Month. But uh, I think cybersecurity awareness needs to happen year-round, Dave. Yeah. As- <laughs> <laughs> not just a month. Right, not just a month. And, and Jessica makes a great point. Maybe we should uh, be doing this in November because there's huge timing coming up. In fact, next month, I'm sure you and I are going to have a story about some fake retailer mm. that uh, is scamming people out of hundreds of dollars selling fake toys or, or counterfeit goods or yeah, something. Yeah, because of the holidays. Sure. Right, because yep, yep, yep. those are coming up. Yeah. Interesting that uh, Dr. Barker talks about how 90% of people are concerned about cyber attacks, yet we hear stories, uh, like a couple months ago, we had a story about Twitter's metrics on multi-factor authentication where that was below 10%. Mm. Mm-hmm. It's something very simple to implement that would really go a long way towards mitigating your your risk. Yeah. Um. Jessica makes a good point about not being overly concerned, Hmm. right? Don't be paralyzed by the fear. Take an action like enabling multi-factor authentication or getting a password manager. Right. Do something about it. Right. Carol and Jessica have a great discussion around jargon. And we've been talking, we talked about this early on with the, was it uh, quishing? Cruising? Can you even say that? Yeah. There's quishing, there's smishing. Yeah. Password spraying versus credential stuffing. It, it, it it doesn't it this this kind of stuff gets under my skin yeah right uh, and 
what's even worse is when we start talking about acronyms, right? <laughs> like TTPs uh, or IOCs, indicators of compromise. I think IOC is a good one. The indicator of compromise is a good one. But, uh, you know, when we start getting beyond this thing, we start, it's almost, it, I think it has a real tendency in this community to be exclusionary. Yeah, I agree. Um, and I, agree. I, I think that's bad. Yeah. This industry really loves buzzwords, and I think we need to do something about that. Mm. I, 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 just, I just think that needs to change. Yeah. I absolutely love Jessica's ex- explanation of what constitutes any kind of social engineering attack. Hmm. This is one of the most concise definitions I've ever heard. It's got three points, and it applies to any communication that comes in. The first point is this communication is unexpected, mm-hmm. right? Any email, message, anything that comes in that you're not expecting – that should be uh, observation point number one. Number two, it causes a re- any emotional response, whether you get angry, whether you get sad, whether you get scared. And number three, if it has a call to action that asks you to do something. Right. These three things together are key indicators. You look for, you see that, you need to do exactly as she says. Step back, go read the message to somebody else, think about it, don't act. That's a great, uh, a Great piece of advice and a great summary of what what a social engineering attack looks like. Yeah, uh, protect your accounts, protect your devices, and protect your information. Those are the three key things to to uh, to uh, look out for as well. So that's that's essentially all your exposure on on the network on the internet. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, again, our thanks to Carol Terrio for bringing that story to us, and thanks to Dr. Jessica Barker for joining us as well. That was a real treat. That is our show. We want to thank all of you for listening. And of course, we want to thank the Johns Hopkins University Information Security Institute for their participation. You can learn more at isi.jhu.edu. The Hacking Humans podcast is proudly produced in Maryland at the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. Our senior producer is Jennifer Iben. Our executive editor is Peter Kilpie. I'm Dave Bittner. And I'm Joe Kerrigan. Thanks for listening. Hi, everybody. It's Maria Varmazas here, your host over at T-Minus Space Daily and sometimes a guest on Hacking Humans, too. We here at N2K CyberWire work hard to bring you concise, intelligence-driven news and commentary, and we'd like to know how we're doing. Please take a few minutes to complete our audience survey and share your feedback to help us continue to grow and meet your needs. Visit cyberwire.com slash survey. That's cyberwire.com slash survey to get started. Thanks so much for your input as we reach for the stars. It means the universe to us. Thank you.